0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Hello to all the listeners out there and welcome to this Sunday's edition of the Too Much Show. Today is March 1st, 2020, and here on the Too Much Show, it's always real talk by real people. And I am your host, MTM, with me and my co-host. Mr. Jones, a.k.a. Sam Jones, and Mr. Come First, because you got to respect me and my other co-host. Well, this is the truth, and you know what it is, man. we back at it again, live. And do we have a lot to say today? Mm. It may stir people the wrong way, but also, there's always a saying for it. And just beating today's show, the crown weighs too heavy. And just even going with that, I mean, everybody knows the meaning when it comes down to it. I mean, when they talk about kings of all kings, the meaning of the crown is too heavy by the phrase. And just the uh, great responsibilities borne by a king, man, who's worried, who's worried consistently. Just even with that, misleads and it fails. And sometimes that crown falls off. But speaking of crowns that actually stay on and they wear it proudly, I mean, before we get into it, NC Mr. Jones, how y'all feel? I'm good. I'm feeling great. I'm kind of conflicted. I mean, I'm coming off a great weekend personally, but the things that I see around the sports that I love, I'm like, why are they doing this? They tripping. But we're going to talk about other times right now before we get into that. Let's do it. All right, man. Well, speaking of people that actually wore the crown greatly, we do have Mr. Kobe Bean Brent and um, his tribute that actually came on recently. MT, do you want to take this away? Yeah, sure. I mean, excellent tribute to finish. Uh, I had to watch it in increments. I couldn't watch it all at once. Just because at the end of the day, man, it would have just, it would have got to me. You could tell, man, emotions were bubbling, but the tribute and everything that was done for Kobe was done right. First of all, you had the queen of R&B, okay? One of the greatest to ever do it. open up with singing, singing Kobe's favorite song. We had Beyonce opening up. And right then and there, I was like, you know what? I got to come back to this. I do. So I just left it alone completely, waited for it to hit YouTube Which is- to get chopped up in parts, because I just, I, I wasn't going to sit there. I, I wasn't. I couldn't do it. And I just, I had to make sure that my space was okay mentally. But, uh, but back to Kobe and the tribute, uh, Beyonce did a hell of a job. It's a great performance by her. Uh, the speech of Vanessa, her telling Kobe to take care of Gigi up there in heaven and she going to take care of the rest of the girls down here and they still a strong team. Like, damn, man. Yeah. And then Michael Jordan's speech, uh, talking about how Kobe would call him at 2, call and text him 2, 3 in the morning, talk about basketball, go over plays, talk about life. Man, it was just crazy. Um, and then Jordan asking, you know, for everybody to retire, to crying Jordan me because, hey, COVID just going to make him cry, you know, which social media obviously took it a step further. But, ah, uh, oh, man, overall, man, just a great tribute. Like I said, I watched it in increments, but I did get a chance to watch it, and I loved it. I'll go over my favorite Kobe moments after Mr. Jones talks about the uh, the tribute and his thoughts on it. Well, um, you know, I mean, you're explaining uh, well. I mean, nothing really go on with the tribute, but especially this one. Like the other things that wasn't mentioned, like Jimmy Kimmel's speech, how heartfelt that was, uh also Alicia Keys playing actually my favorite classical song along with Kobe's Moonlight Sonata. Which Kobe knew how to play as well because he was a very gifted pianist and nobody didn't know that. And that kind of got to me as well. And, man, Jordan, Jordan's speech. That stood out to me because that man was humanized. Like, I'm not saying he's worshipped or anything or he's a god figure, but his stature is, like, godlike. You know what I mean? Like, that's the GOAT, and to see him actually get teary-eyed and emotional over it, and hearing the truth about their relationship as all of us used to discuss them as rivals, they wasn't even rivals. They were actually, you know what I mean, brothers, and that's crazy to actually hear that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a great tribute and everything, and i let you take the gift also away, Bruce it was quite emotional man it really was i mean for me it was uh it was one of those things i had to sit back on that's why i can couldn't really lead this conversation the way that i wanted to and with that being said I'm i'm glad that the tribute happened and everybody can say their peace and then leave you know everything to rest And just going off that that's where the peace needs to come at the peace and just remember his legacy in a proper manner and I think this was well placed and beautifully styled so that's my final thoughts on it yeah um Right, so just to get into favorite Kobe, favorite Kobe moment. I mean, where do we start from the three-peat to him sitting there while everybody was celebrating when they had won that NBA championship and Kobe put the Lakers jacket on and the hat and was holding the trophy and he was just sitting there by himself, you know what I'm saying, just like zoned out. Uh, but I would say one of my favorite moments will probably be Kobe dunking on Steve Nash. I mean, that was, yeah. that was actually, yeah. And I, yep. And the playoffs. Like Lady. I know you, yep. And I know you remember Mr. Jones. We used to talk about it all the time. This is when Kobe was basically by himself. It was nobody there, but him, Lamar Odom and Derek Fisher. Every Everybody else had basically left. They had motherfuckers like Sasha Vujicic and Smush Parker and other just bums on that team that Kobe had to go out there and basically average 35 a night just for them to make the first round of the playoffs. And he would carry that team. Yeah, they lost in the playoffs. They lost to the Phoenix Suns. But him dunking on Steve Nash was iconic. And then another moment to me was the Lakers, uh and this was life after Shaq and Carl Malone and everything of course, but it was, bag. Was he, Yeah, but it was his speech, it was Kobe's speech after losing to the Boston Celtics that first go around in the NBA Finals. And, like, you could just hear it in Kobe's voice. Kobe took ownership of what happened, which is what real leaders do. They don't point the finger. But he let it, but he assured everybody that we will be back. And then that next year, they beat the Orlando Magic in the uh, finals, which we all knew was going to happen. And I think Kobe dunked on Dwight Howard then, too. Um,. But they beat them, I think, four to one. So that was a no contest. But I guess my favorite moment of all time was the second goal go-around the rematch in the finals. It was game seven. Kobe had an off game. Ron Artest showed up and dropped, I think, like 23 in that game. And the last couple minutes injured everything. And Kobe was just like, give me the ball. And – Kobe took over the last couple minutes, knocked down some huge free throws, and ultimately won the Lakers that championship. It was him, Kyle Gasol, Ron Artest, uh, Derek Fisher. You know what I'm saying? Like they They did what they had to do and won that championship and beat the Celtics in seven games. To me, that was like Kobe's most iconic moment because you saw him – essentially become human when he lost to the Celtics that first go round and just having that drive and determination to want to get back out there and play them again. And the performance that he was able to put on the last couple minutes after having an off game setup. Well, um, my personal favorite Kobe moment is quite different. Um it was actually one of my first days here in Vegas back in 2013, and the Lakers were struggling that year, and they had to win like four or five games straight for them to make the playoffs. I remember the game they were playing at Denver Nuggets, and Dwight was there at the time. He had his torn labor, on Steve Nash. That whole team wasn't cooking, and I remember Kobe just took over that whole game, that fourth quarter like literally brought them back from obscurity, and then all of a sudden he went to the rack for a layup, got fouled, and popped ah, towards Achilles. And I remember the heart he showed, because usually when things like that happen, you just walk off the court, like game over. That man actually walked on the court so they wouldn't get a technical foul, and made his free throws or the torn Achilles. And that pretty much sealed the game for them to win, and they eventually made the playoffs. And I like never forget that because that was like one of my first days out there. And my other personal favorite Kobe moment was actually the game when um, he dropped eighty-one. I remember that game. I remember like not watching it live and hearing about it the next morning. And this was like the infancy of like YouTube and all of that and actually trying to find the last stream of that game and actually watching him score that 81, like pretty much off all jumpers. I think he only had, like, three layups or dunks that game, and that just showed his determination and prowess. And, like, the very next week, he dropped 62 in three quarters against Dallas. Like, he chose to sit on the bench. He could have probably broke 81 again. Like, he could have. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, the dude is legendary. I mean, that's some of my personal favorite moments of Kobe, other than, you know, torturing people on 2K with him and all of that. I don't know. I just think the overall overall factor, I think, <laughs> which is funny, one of my favorite moments was actually when he kind of really got his shoe game together because when he first came out with his shoes, it's like, come on, man, Kobe, you out here beasting on the court. Shoot game, whack, man. Come on, man. You, you're supposed to be a little baby Jordan. You're supposed to be taking over the spot. And then he came out with the crazy eight. Everybody was so. Then, next thing you know, he came off. Um, I forgot what the other one was. I think it was like the 2K somethings. And he had those brands. Two-K, and I uh, started stepping Trevor up. Rocky. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's when everything came together. But that was just personal moments. Another personal moment is just like when we watched the game. And I always used to troll because I know uh, Mr. Jones, he was always a Kobe fan. And I was just like, ah, he's not going to do it. He can't do nothing. But no, I knew in my heart, like, this man had it. Like, he's a true baller. Like, he's one of the great. And just, I think that. just having a personal feel makes everything,
0: you know, a memorable
1: moment. Sitting back, uh, watching him actually sweeping people through the playoffs, which is great. we find a team pulling Paul Gasol through and still trying to get and push his ring. So, I mean, all these great moments for me, I don't know, it's kind of hard to talk about. I just I just think uh, my final thoughts on it. I think. I'm just going to remember him just being the greatest NBA player in my eyes. I probably laid the rest before time. Even with the Achilles thing, I mean, that was kind of hard for me. So it's just like one to the next. There you go, man. That fucking turned up now. <laughs> I'm ready to talk yeah, about sure. this, boy. Right here. Let me take it away, Zeus. Deontay Wilder this week, he spoke really? up. He spoke out. He explained the reason why he lost that match. The reason why he lost that match, because that Rated shredder, Black Panther, whatever you want to call it, gave a throw's outfit he had on, the Black Knight, like Martin Lawrence. He said it was 40 pounds and it was too heavy on his legs. And he knew when he got in the ring his legs were shot. He didn't have much of a chance pretty much. That's the reason why he lost. Not because Tyson Fury was the bigger man, the crappier boxer, and a more formidable opponent at the n- that night. It was because his outfit was too heavy. And he also went as far as making the video, I want to say Friday or yesterday, explaining to everybody that the king is not falling, the king will be back to get his Yeah, crown. the king is this the king owns his crown, the cream, blah 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 blah. I mean it's a great comeback. Before I even get to it, one his explanation. We all cover we, we both we all covered the fight. But what do you think about his explanation?
0: I mean to oh, be bullshit. Honest, <laughs> <It is. laughs>
1: I mean here's the let, thing. Me, let me I, I, you, I, let me tell you I, the, go ahead. Go ahead. let me tell you the go Let me tell you the glare reason real quick why it's bullshit. Everybody has a rehearsal before they fight. He tried it all before the fight. He had to prove on it before the fight. you want know why Mike Tyson was a champion of the true king. He not need no props or no gimmicks. He came out there with fucking shorts, no socks and a motherfucking towel over his shoulders. yep, is that yeah. If that's the case you need to come out like that if that was too heavy for you because that's I, I mean look he, stuff he stuff actually fight when you watch I mean, forty five pounds watch another I mean, fight. His, he didn't even prepare he was already geared up. I don't know if he had on that 40 pounds. Um, nah, he didn't have on 40. Like, like, before, this is what he used to do. With other fights, he would come out with a robe on and then just a mask. I have no idea yeah. what made him decide to put on the full armor. It made no sense to me. Uh, he should have just put on that mask, put on a robe, and walked out and left it at that. But Here's thing. I think that it could have taken his legs away with it being 40 to 45 pounds, depending on how long he had it on, especially if he didn't hydrate properly before the fight. However, bro, you just got to take your L. Nobody told you to put that suit on. You decided to put it on. And then when you ducked down and kind of ducked into that shot that hit you behind the head and on your ear, that was it. Once your ear starts bleeding, that's it. Your equilibrium is off because that's some type of that's some type of internal bleeding. And I forgot the the proper term and whatever else for it, but it throws you know your it throws your, uh, your, your your balance off basically. Yeah, exactly. Throws your whole yeah essentially yeah yeah like it's, it's like, like your, your whole balance. It's almost the same sense of like your hand and eye coordination, but just with your feet. Balance. Exactly, exactly. It, mm-hmm. It's done after that. So with that being said, the stress of that, and then Tyson Fury, big heavy ass, keep laying on you and everything. There was nothing else that he can do. But what he needs to do, since Floyd Mayweather decided he wanted to come to his rescue, online and everything, uh, and say how you know that's still a champion, he's still a king and all that. I have no doubt that Deontay Wilder could possibly make a comeback. But he's got to stop with the excuses. Like he said that night. Look, the better man won, but then he was like, oh, you know, and then there was other things, you know, that caused my legs to grow. Once he said that, I was like, all right, he's going to come out with some excuses. But overall, just take your L, man. Get with Floyd. Work on your defense. Work on using your jab more since you're such a tall guy. And then that way you'll be able to set up the right hand better. Everybody knows with Deontay Wilder, he's that one-trick pony. All the, the punches that he the throws is he gotta, literally – It is literally for him to land the right hand. And then once he land that power right hand on you a couple times, then he knocks you down. And that's it. And then by that time, you're scared. Yeah, my thing is, like, is he going to be prepared to do all of that by the end of July? Because that's when the rematch has to happen by for it to work. I think he'll be Let me see. Let me me see. We got March, April, May, June. Yeah, that's four months. Four months is enough time. He gets what he needs to do, fly out there to Vegas, bring his wife out there with him. Tell her baby I love you. We're gonna run out to Airbnb out there in Vegas for a couple months. I'm gonna train with Floyd and boom. We're gonna do that. Because Overall, man, Tyson Fury is just making him look bad all the way around. How the hell do you lose to this man on Black History, Ma?
0: He sings
1: in the venue after you leave uh, Miss American Pie and then take a trip to Africa. He enjoys his life, man. He enjoys his life. I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, I just thought it was unnecessary. You just get ready for the next fight. But let me ask you this, as, as far as being a one-trick pony, a lot of people compare his style to George Foreman. i see George Foreman was better skilled as far as he had actual power in both hands. He just yeah. went wild and stuff like that, but it was timing to his punches. So let me ask you, what is the difference between the two and how De'Anse Wilder can actually bounce back? Like, what can he actually do to beat this guy? Is there anything he can do to beat this guy? Or do Tyson has got his number, man? No, he don't have his number. I mean, overall, what he needs to do is just to bounce back. He needs to be careful. I'm not saying being scared, but he needs to be careful. He needs to be smart. And he needs to work on his footwork, and he needs to utilize his jab. If he starts utilizing his jab, and what he also has to do. He needs a proper camp. He needs somebody that's going to stick with him, though. And also, I think he needs to get that, that, I have this punch. You should work with me versus you should work with them. Like, obviously, they're trying to tell you something. Because what led him to that hit? was from poor this dif- different yeah I, well, well is that and at the end of the day another thing that Wilder needs to do is this Wilder you're in the heavyweight division you are fighting big guys who truthfully have a good four to six rounds in them before they start breathing out their mouth and are really gassed why are you not going to the body Go to Tyson Fury's body, man. Use your jab. Set up some good body shots. Throw in combination and not just throw one to two punches at a time because you're looking for the right hand. That's what needs to happen. And he needs to get, have all of that down pat in four months. And if he can't, then we're going to see Tyson Fury win again. And at that point, if Tyson Fury wins, Wilder needs to hang it up because I don't really care about seeing him fight anybody else. I don't care about him seeing, I mean, about him fighting Anthony Ruiz Jr. I don't even care about seeing him fight Anthony Joshua anymore unless it's going to be for the titles. That's it. But if it's going to be well, oh, no. you want to pop no, all speculations down think- of the fight, or or you no, want to wait? No. No, I need to wait because I want to see I want to see Wilder and how he bounces back. I want to see who he actually has in his corner, or who's going to be in his corner. That's true. too. That's very important. That's very important. Now, I I don't really see him bouncing back though. That against that guy, I think Fury has right, his so, number, I, I think technically so also, people are underrating Fury. Fury is one of the best heavyweights out there ever. I was, Honestly. Just, I was just about to get to that. That's well said. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, because but think about it. I was just about to say, uh, add on to that. He's been linear champion for over five years. He beat Cusco. I mean, the man hasn't took an L. He only got a draw because, I mean, the judges kind of helped him. He won every round except for the two rounds he got knocked down. Uh-huh. I mean, Tyson Ferry is one of the best out there, especially as far as technique and boxing. Nobody gave him a chance against Cusco. And he went out there and said, I'm going to outbox Cusco. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Just like the Wilder fight. He said he was going to taste his blood. He tasted his blood. He said he was going to outbox him. He outboxed him. Exactly. I mean, that's my point. Just because he just, what he had what he was going to do. He already had a game plan, and like you said, he was going to outbox him. That's literally what happened. Hmm. I just think nobody gave him his props. I think everybody's just going off the, what if, if Wilder did this and everything else, nobody actually gave Tyson Fury his props of coming back from the fight that he lost and said, okay, well, I figured out a strategy. It'll be easier, this fight. Well, he didn't even lose. Oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, they did. No, that fight ended in a draw. technically not a loss. Yeah, it was not a loss. It was a draw. So, this is though he lost, and it shouldn't have been that way. I believe he did say that in the interview. Yeah, well, all I'm going to say is this, man. Wilder... Please Please don't become Please don't become a Don't become a Roy Jones Jr. Nah, Roy Jones Jr. Nah, Roy Jones Because the difference is A.B. has been knocked down But he's never been actually knocked out Roy Jones was knocked out twice By Antonio Targa And then Glenn Johnson Okay. Mm, knocked out. You said what? But then it's like Knocked him got... out. No, he knocked him down. He did not knock him out. He did not win by knockout, sir. Okay. Only thing. Only thing that was more horrible about A B's loss to Madonna is the fact that he got up, throwing his hands up. Like, he thought that he actually won the fight. And then when they gave the decision to Madonna, A.B. just walked out the ring and was basically pissed off. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then A.B. thought he won again versus Sean Porter, even though he literally won one round, which is the round he knocked Porter down. And even Porter came back after being knocked down and made that shit debatable and A.B. thought that he won the fight, and he was absolutely horrible. It's crazy now I his losses are against sensible opponents. So it's like, is he really out of it? I mean, he lost to Pacquiao, Mikey Garcia, their my dollar. They all were formidable yeah. opponents. Yeah. I, I, argue that, I argue Madonna, the first fight was fight. They were the toughest fight in this career, other than Luis Castillo. Yeah. Even though I hate how Sean Porter fights, I mean, his style works. You know, he got one yeah. well loss on his resume. Mikey Garcia undefeated, and, I mean, Pacquiao is Pacquiao. What more can we say about him? Well, well, hold on. Mikey isn't undefeated anymore. Nope. Don't forget about who he lost to. Oh, yeah, my bad. He did yeah. get that yeah, one he in. Lost he lost Convincingly clear. Errol Spence whooped that ass, and then he just beat he just beat Jesse Vargas yesterday, which was a pretty good fight actually. Really, I didn't even get to see that. Yeah, Garcia and um, Jesse Vargas for yesterday. Nobody knows the decision. There was actually a pretty good back and forth bout there. What was that on Showtime? Um, I believe so. I believe so. I believe it was on Showtime. It wasn't pay-per-view. Well, I know that. Uh, Let me see. Jesse Vargas. Yeah, versus Mikey Garcia. No, it was on The Zone. That's why we didn't see it. It was on The Zone. zone. It was on Pay-per-view? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, technically, he's still got a shot of redemption. I just think he's off, no, off the, it, out of the ring. He's not focused. He's just not focused enough. I don't think Boston Nah, no, he's not. His passion. He, he, exactly. It's no longer his passion. His thing is selling the fight more, making money off of promoting the fight. Because you know he got what is it about billions promotions. So that's what it's all about for him now. It's the money. He, he don't love the sport of boxing anymore. He just loves the money that he can make off of it by selling it. He's going to give you all the sound yep. bites. He's going to give you the disrespect, saying that this person is a clown, though he f this dude BM. He, you know, smashed this dude's girl, uh, this dude some shit. He can't do nothing with him and all of that kind of stuff. And then he's going to get out there and probably throw 100 punches the whole fight. Yeah, and I think promoters know that. That's why he have not seen a really box lately. I don't think he's going to get another shot no time. So, no, nah, he's not. I think they're going to. He's not. They're forcing him to go back to contender status. You know. But I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, that wild excuse was bullshit. I'm sorry. The sum it all up, it was bullshit. He wore it the night before. He shouldn't have known it was up. I don't he know. just got I anything. Mean, just to include everything, like we all said, just some great points from Mt. You, you shouldn't award. Um, we all know how production is. You probably award before. It shouldn't have been an excuse. Your, sh- your excuse should have been that you shouldn't have been outboxed and won the match. Or your excuse should have been, "Hey, my trainer shouldn't do in the towel. I felt like I should have stayed in the ring." You should have took everything on you. That have been no excuse too. Yeah, just I mean, and, did the right thing. Exactly. And here's the thing, man. Overall, like, y'all, let's just say it. Let's just call it what it is. Overall, Wilder didn't take this fight as serious as he should have. Number one, as I said on last week's show, you just fought November 23rd, and then you right back right. in the ring. Hold on, MT. Some, Yo. Uh, oh, it sounds like somebody's rumbling With two gorillas in the background It's probably Mr. Jones Alright, here we go Alright, no, but real quick Just just so we can move to the next topic <laughs> it's, it, it's like I said last week He got in the ring too soon You was just in there November 23rd And then you jumped right back in there February 23rd Like everything was just going to be all good You had a close bout Put on that stupid ass armor like, this should have been a fight that you had taken serious, and this fight probably shouldn't have happened until about April or May. That way, you could have really got time, especially since you fired most of the team from the last battle. You didn't even have time to really trial this team and see if you liked them. So, you basically yeah. just got in So, this would be, what, his eighth time yeah. firing this team? Yeah. So, yeah. So, at this point, Like, seriously, at this point, yeah. I mean, at at this point, you just, you you in there also hoping a prayer, hoping that that right hand is going to land. And once it didn't, oh, well, that's it. You ain't got shit else to do. Can't land the right hand. It's over for you. Before we go into anything else, man, I did want to squeeze in the topic. And um, I think. You, yeah, M.T., you and Mr. Jones should know about this. This is actually one of your favorites. And, um, no, this is probably not listed, but just to go ahead and squeeze in, just to go ahead and cut some time, what do you think about the Tony Romo debate of how everybody's kind of not in his favor of his new endeavors? Well, here's the thing. Number one, The number one thing that I've been asking people because I've gotten to a couple of debates online and nobody can seem to answer this question for me. And I always ask, who calls the game as good as Romo? Who? Nobody can give me an answer. Oh, and then they always try to counter with the question, oh, well, who calls the game like Romo where, you know, they want to anticipate plays and all that. And, you know, sometimes he'd be wrong. Okay, nobody's perfect. But it's the fact that he's giving you knowledge and calling out defensive coverages that you didn't even notice because you're just watching the game just for the fun of it. So it was just true. With that, you know what I'm saying? So, with that being said, he's dropping knowledge of you. Is he going to be right every single time? No. You know why? Because he's not in the huddle and he's not holding the clipboard. However, nobody can tell me who calls the game half as good. Then you get to people trying to make the whole race debate. Oh, Stephen A. Smith only getting about eight or nine million from ESPN, but his Romo is getting seventeen million. So, a couple things: number one, when Stephen A. closed his deal, it was a couple years ago, and Stephen A. is still the highest paid person on the ESPN network as far as a sports analyst. Plain and simple. And so with that being said, you have Stephen A still the highest paid, but when Stephen A negotiated his deal, he was the, pretty much he was essentially the highest paid. It's a new market now. Also, the reason why Romo got the seventeen million from CBS is because ESPN slash the Disney company is going out here and basically dying up everything. They got UFC on ESPN plus. They got a uh, WWE now on ESPN plus. They're talking about top rank and possibly buying that from Bob Aram to have that on ESPN plus. And so they're basically trying to monopolize and control the entire sports world. And there you have them throwing fifteen million at Romo. So yeah, they weren't just gonna say, All right, well we're we'll offered you fifteen point five. They had to throw out a number that made Romo stay there. So yeah, seventeen million. It is what it is. The next great analyst that comes along will probably. You said what? It's well deserved. You got to think about the market, as you said, and inflation and everything. Trust me. If this was John Madden and the money they're making now, John Madden would have got twenty. Howard Cosell would have got seventeen. He's in that elite category already. And honestly, the only people that got a point to complain is the players themselves, because Tony Romo wouldn't have a job if the players wouldn't play on the field. And yes, that is crazy that his salary is more than ninety percent of the league. That is crazy. But so, but again, it's CBH. That's another reason why I continue to say it. And I'll say it again on the show for the millionth time. It's time to go on straight. It is time to get your money, players. If that's the case, it's time to get your money. But as far as everybody hates on Romo, like he don't deserve it, name an analyst who deserves the bag over him. Name someone that's out there that's better. I'll wait. They can't. They can't. That's <laughs> the problem. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Who, Joe Buck? Maybe when he's called no, baseball, baseball, but if we're talking about football, exactly. when, you talk about, oh, yeah, no. but when you talk about football, hell no. Troy Aikman, hell right. no. Hell Al no. Michaels, hell no. No. hell no. I love Al Michaels, don't get me wrong. But Al Michaels does everything. He's, he's a baseball guy, too. Al Michaels' best work was in the 80s in baseball. Exactly. So... No, give that man his money. Like Stephen A, he doesn't call it NBA. I if if he called NBA games, it'd been a different story. But he works for the network as an analyst covering these people. That's the difference. His his job description is different. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's but it is the, different. the top the the top two teams or the top actually four. I mean. Tony Romo actually just comes in slightly behind them right now. That's on air. So, you can't really discredit that. You said what? Say that again? what you say about Tony Romo coming in at fourth? No, I mean, maybe about, like, five and six. I mean, because, if anything, you have the top two, which is... Troy and Buff and... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Hey, he's coming in at number two as what? Are you saying Romo is behind Troy Aikman and Joe Buck as far as calling the game a football and doing a play-by-play? And a be serious. That's crazy. You That's crazy. Serious. That's crazy. Me I mean, you so I, I defer. <laughs> this, this is just you know, statistically... Just this no. is statistically proven. Statist- and- st- statistically how. It, Fox always gets more ratings because it's Fox, and the presentation is better. But Romo single-handedly revived CBS. Nobody watched CBS yes. games CBS until Romo good, came good. along. To Summer Baden. To Summer on Baden, yeah. honestly. Yeah, nobody gave a fuck about CBS games. People didn't care about even watching Patriots. I know me and Big Sam used to get mad when Cowboys games was on CBS because we like this conversation boring as fuck. Exactly. Yeah. The Cowboys played the damn Dolphins this year, I think, on CBS and it was exciting because you had Romo calling that game. Romo single-handedly is CBS and if it wasn't for him, Nobody would give a shit about watching CBS games. Nobody. Romo ain't I mean, did you Nobody. Like, do you remember Phil Sims and gymnasts? Do you remember exactly. the days? <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: People got to stop that. People got to stop that shit. Honestly, people <laughs> got to stop that shit. <sighs> my, 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 my mentality is this though. If someone gets a bag, that means it's a chance for you to get that bag, too. Exactly. Means you need to because step they just you reset a, the shop. market. Exactly. That's just like, guess what? At the end of the day, people sat up there and they got on Zeke. Oh, Jerry paid Ezekiel Elliott $90 million with, uh, what is it, 50 or $2 million guaranteed. That's crazy. That's this and that. Okay, instead of hating on hey. Ezekiel Elliott. Hey, at the like, end of the day. Know, no, you're going to make money no, or you're not going to make money. Right like, now. Yeah, and and I'll say Barkley. No, no, I wanted to say yeah, that. And they will say Quant is, is the guy that to be uh No, nah, I was trying to do one of those uh, quotes from like oh. the announcer that be making the dumbest obvious quote oh, ever. Oh, for an man, analogy. All well, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are going to make money or you're not going to make money. But I mean at the end of the day, I mean, I'm I'm proud for him. I think he's actually changing it. I mean, he's probably giving people that could probably retire and maybe have a voice. I mean, we all look at everybody else. I mean, look at uh, uh, what's the show, Mister Jones? That that you've been putting this on, that we've been uh looking
0: yeah. at. Oh,
1: Yeah, all the smoke. I mean, you got to think about it. I mean. But, you know, their lane is different. They knew what they was, and Showtime took a chance with them to be who they are. That's why that's turning out so great. But, I mean, as far as, like, I want to bring up this topic. So, as far as Romo resetting the market, what are some other former players or quarterbacks that you think could actually do what Romo does, or if not, better. That's the thing. There, I don't see anybody who can do it. I don't, and I'm not. I'm not sure even gonna lie to you. i, would, I hey, probably Peyton, maybe. Oh. I think Peyton I think Peyton will be great. Man. Yeah, Peyton Peyton probably could be great. If not Peyton, got the person Then, other. if he humbled this though, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past to. I think he can do good. They wouldn't give him a shot, though. They wouldn't give him a chance. Nah. Nah, they're not going to give him a chance. The, 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 the media they even the right but if they head gave head. him a they chance, if they gave him a chance, they gave yeah, him a chance that I everybody saying, will well. watch and to whoever's, saying, ooh, whoever's playing that game, it can be a bumble of the week. And no, just because P.O. is covering the game, they're like, okay, you know what? He's probably going to open this game yeah, up. This may be it. good. The whole yeah, but the factor, he in the same o- Ocho. Ocho would be great. But he in the same boat. Yep. Nah, I don't oh, done, I don't dude. know. No. Ocho he, nah see only thing about Ocho and T O, Ocho Man. tarnished his mistakes. Like he tarnished his chances. Cause even when he pulled T O they had a promise a promising show, but he wanted to do more. So either Even when he was getting uh, coverage on ESPN, he still wanted to do more. It's like his focus wasn't into, I guess, other than himself. It was self-centered. That's why I can see the difference between them. I think T.O. can humble himself and probably – get it together and then everybody. T.O. is not, because I'm going to tell you right now, T.O. not, and T.O. not going to bite his tongue on the air, too. That's the problem. Like, if somebody's a bum and can't cover somebody, T.O. is going to call them a bum. He is. And T.O. is also the type, like, let's say if he let's say if he calls Jalen Ramsey out for a play or something, and Jalen Ramsey go online and be like, man, you broke, you this, you that, T.O. going to clap back at him. And no network is willing to take the risk of T.O. saying the wrong thing and pissing off the viewers and stuff like that. No network is going to take that chance. Like, T.O. will have to do a complete 180 with his attitude in order for that to work. Can't see happening, in my opinion. I just don't think it is. I mean, I mean, but that does bring up a whole other debate, though. Like, it's it is a lack of diversity in the analysis booth, though. It, it really is. And then I already you know, know who's going to probably be the all-time great that probably do it if he does retire and and, and he wants to do it. Will be Brady. Birdie's not gonna do it. Birdie makes too much money. Yeah, that's it. He don't want to travel. It's the travel. That's why I don't think Peyton do it. Because Peyton don't feel like traveling. I mean, he's pretty much already getting. Uh, what is that? He doing detail. What's his? Uh, no, what's his slogan? That is nationwide money. Oh yeah. Uh, is money is, uh, his commercials is endless. Yeah. Yeah, he's killing it. All right, man, so go ahead and switch gears, man. Let's get into this Wiley debate. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to say one more thing about the whole sports and option thing. Another reason why, and this is just a rebuttal from Mr. Jones, the reason why you don't see a lot of people of color in the booth as well, especially former players, is because they look at it as like, almost like a sign of desperation for money. The one episode of the shot that I did watch, remember AB was on there with LeBron and them, and remember how they was getting on Shannon shots and was basically looking down saying, look, you on TV as an analyst because you didn't manage your money well when you were a player, and now you have to work the way that you work working." And remember, what's her name? A B was like, yeah, like Braun, Are you gonna go and be an analyst for the NBA after you done? LeBron was like, nah, I want to own a team. Like that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to be an owner. Like that's what I'm here to use my money for, not be no analyst. So you get what I'm saying? Like it, it's kind of it's looked down upon as you not, like it's not a love for the game. It's more so you need the money and you still need the limelight. So that's why you're being an analyst. Well, I, I, I think of... Shannon Sharp is about an example of that. I think he kind of do do it sub for the level. I mean, the money is important. I mean, look where he's at now. He ain't get no more money than that. But the dude was no. on CBS for like 10 years. He was on inside the NFL for a little minute. So, like, was he yeah. really hurting that much for the money? Or, like, is he really doing it out of desperation? Or is it really the love of the game? What do you about, like '03? Yeah, like yeah, I think personally, for Shannon Sharp, it's for the love of the game because he just loves football and he loves calling. But as far as as far as some of these other analysts, yeah, it could be just for the money because they just didn't invest their money well. I mean that's half an NFL Network, other than like Dion. But yep, <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I I just wondered that why such a lack of diversity in the booth though, because Chris Carter wanted to get in the booth and what they do let him go from his daytime job. Well, that but you gotta remember too that like, you gotta be real too. Like, I think they're trying to say he's a liability as far as his alcohol abuse. And then another thing. Why they never took a chance with Tom Jackson and Chris Berman actually doing Monday Night Football? They did the damn countdown for, what, 36 years? Exactly. I think Tom Jackson can call the whole game properly. Yeah, I think Tom again, but you got to remember, too, ESPN unlocked him and uh, Chris Berman up. Now they do, they back to doing uh, NFL countdown or whatever it's called on uh, on ESPN yeah, like Plus, it. remember? Yeah, yeah, so he, yeah, yeah they, they unlocked him up. They threw the bag at him and Chris Berman and was like, chill, we, we, we about to make this money on the app. Y'all relax. Yeah, so that's how that goes. Yeah, what's the next topic, Zeus? All right, man. So look, man, let's go ahead and get into this Wally debate, if anything. Or hold oh. on. So he had an interview with Joe Button the other day, right? It was kind of controversial because it was more of him opening up to be himself, and. I guess explain itself, and it's just one of those things where I guess artists on this platform holds themselves back. From my point of view, I'm not sure how you guys feel. And I mean, but first, first of all, shout out to Joe Budden. He's the perfect person to interview a uh, personality like Wallace, though. He's going to bring the best out of the interview. I don't think nobody well, else did the interview the way he did. Well, what's the name? Did decent. When he went on Breakfast Club recently, when his new album was coming out, Charlemagne did a pretty nah, decent interview. I mean, no, nah. Only reason with Charlemagne is because his angles are not the same. And I don't think the relationship is there as well. Yeah. More with well, you they actually know, have a a yeah. back a background relationship. So that's well, you know what's why different. They have a background relationship because they're basically the same person. Yeah, they're two people. Think. Yeah, they they're two people who are lyrically talented, who can make very good music, but because they don't get the respect that they deserve, they allow their attitude to get in the way of things and for them to pop off at these executives and everything because they feel like that they don't get the respect that they deserve. Joe Budden, shout, I mean, he found his own lane. So, shout out to him. He's like, fuck he's the game, guy. I don't need the game. And he found his own lane. I mean, he's the reason that you see a lot of these podcasts today. You know what I mean? So, shout out to him for that. But, I mean, as far as the Wale case, when I look at that interview, like I was telling y'all off the air, I do see some things that's alarming. Like like I say, he might suffer from big bipolar or something. But, at the end of the day, some of the points he was making was kind of valid, man. Like, I mean, it's something the industry has something against him, man because the talent and the music he's making, he should be further ahead in his career. Don't get me wrong; a lot of it is self-inflicting, but like, what has he really been doing lately, as far as his attitude? Other than maybe, yeah. I game. mean. I mean the thing is, the is, thing is that... oh, go ahead, he MP. always come out with I was just gonna say he always comes out with a with a nice hit. Every time he's got some new music coming out, Wale knows how to drop music and get like the buzz building around his album and everything because his song with Jeremiah uh Let's Chill. Like, come on man. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a hit. It's a number one record. Hit uh hit maker did the beat. AK Young Bird, you know what I'm saying? Like it was a hit. So you absolutely right, Mr. Jones. Wale knows how to make good music. But I don't know what it is now. I really don't. Like at this point. Think, yeah, like at this point. I could see back then. I get it. And like Ross had to cover for a lot of his stuff. But like at this point, at this point in time, what is Wale doing Like, what coonery and all that is he doing? He's not going off trying to slap nobody, at least that we know of, because nothing is going viral. Uh, He's not really, like, I don't know if he's clapping back at fans. I don't think he is. But he's not really doing anything crazy that will warrant him not necessarily being – you said what? He's chilling. He just had a baby. He's chilling right there. I don't don't think it's that. Uh, I think – I think all it is, is is his ego. I mean, but Formed all artists of that, have ego. Form of ba- nah, former form of base of that, he has a different mentality, which I would probably say just just by being a BMP native, that once you get on, that you don't really have to do anything and then that you should already be respected from what you do and you hold yourself high, especially when it's graded high by others, but not, I guess, recognized by the world. And I think that's what he's in right now. The thing that throws me off is because he knows these things. And then he also says, well, you know, I got to think about appeasing everybody else. Well, you know you have to appease everybody else. Why, why do you think that you have the people behind you? Uh, One of the great points that Joe Button said was, hey, well, once you got dropped, why didn't you just, you know, be an indie rapper? And he fumbled and Joe kept on going back to it and he pretty much just said, well, it's better just to be with a label because they do everything for you because everything's set up for you. You have people that set up to do everything for you versus when you're independent, you have to do that yourself. You can't just reach out and make a phone call and say, hey, I need A&R just to set this up for me, or I just need this person, uh, What he actually code it, say it, like, hey, send 15000 for this photo shoot, so I can do this, oh, wait, uh, for this video shoot, so with those things, that and then he has that laid back platform, like okay, well, my music is this, but the throw off point is you want to be recognized as a great, but you're not really pushing it because you're comfortable. So, you say he's complacent in a way, yeah. I mean he knows that he has an outsource that can push his music, but you want to be recognized for your music. Why can't you just make hits? And I think another thing why he was bagging on Joe Button, like, okay, you can make this album. And Joe said, well, I'm not going to make an album and put all my all into it. I guess just to sum it up in my words, put all my all into it. But my creative thoughts, my heart, and soul, and the niggas call it trash. Or it's mediocre. That's why I I do this. This is where I'm comfortable with. I'm not about to do that. And then also be tied to a label, and they're going to take my money from me. And I got to go through with the bullshit of people calling my album trash or so far. Yeah, but Wale don't have that problem, man. His album's a good choice. He does have that problem, though. I mean, think about it. He always wants his well, album to be recognized on a higher platform. He does, but here's, what, but here's the thing, though. Here's what Wale needs to understand. I get that you are artists, artist. just like Eric Badu said. Um, he is an artist. And, you know... Artists are sensitive about their craft and their music. However, bro, you just got to excuse me. He just has to continue to make music, and you got to let the music speak for itself. Because you saying that you're not going to make music just because, you know, it's not appreciated the way that you want it to be, guess what you're doing now? You're now allowing people to dictate your future. You're allowing for people to dictate who you are, and the trolls and the people on the Internet, they're going to continue to be assholes towards you because of that, where at the end of the day, man, all you have to do is just be like, you know what, this is what happened, and you know what, I'm just going to continue to make music. And hopefully, you know what I'm saying, like, it gets to where it needs to be. But don't just stop making music because it's not charting where you want it to chart at. Like, you're letting the people... But well, every- well, everybody said they were not going to make music as it late. I don't believe... I don't buy that at all. Ari says really said she ain't going to make music. Susan says she's going to stop making music. They're all going to make albums this year. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I get... I guess I'm more sympathizing with what Wale went through in his career from the beginning. Because he did go through a lot of unnecessary bullshit. started with the DMV. I mean, the beginning of his career, what did he do? but go-go songs and try to put the DMV on. They still called him trash, and they still try to put every other DMV rapper under the light over this man. Even though he he was obviously having a better career. At one point, shot. at one point, Matt Trill was the man. At one point, Shaq Glizzy is the man. Recently, I heard Golink was the man. Why is Wale never mentioned that in his 10-plus year career? Kind of, I mean, dominating in that market as far as the DMV. I mean, other than, you know, the legendary Chuck Brown, Marvin Gaye, and maybe a few other people from the 70s, when we talk about hip-hop, Wale is the greatest product we ever had. Let's keep it real. And he he just seemed like no matter what he does, as far as classes and everything, he would just never get the proper recognition. You said, like, the greatest. for example. Nah, I don't know. As, now you Because i about to say, if anything, okay, what about this? Big Sean has the same kind of demeanor. Right? But also, he has the same. Uh, I guess rapper started it. Uh, the thing is with Big Sean you know, like this, it's not like, that he's not dope, but nobody wants to hear some of the shit that he raps about. My apologies for cutting you off, but I just wanted to say that about Big Sean because everybody gets on me and I be mean, like, it, but that goes oh, in the Big same is it one up. of the best lyricists, yeah, he's decent, but it's like at least with Wale, it's like okay, he talk about the bitches. Or, I'm sorry, the women. He's talking about the women. So he's talking about women, talking about getting women, all of that. Big Sean just be rhyming just stupid shit together. Okay, yellow, mellow, cello, rello, dello, and all that shit. And you be sitting there like, dog. I don't feel like hearing fucking nursery rhymes. I have yet to, I think the last Big Sean album that I've listened to in its entirety was like the one where I can't even name it, but I think it was the one where yeah, it was family. like a that that was like the E forty fuck and all that. That album was that Hold album on. was decent. Hold on, I I tell you right now, what was the last one I listened to and four because I just I can't do it. I can listen to a whole Wale album multiple times before I listen to that shit. Yeah, Dark Sky Paradise. That's the last Wale. Yeah, that's, that's so the last Big right. Sean album. Yeah, that's the last one that I listened to in full. That I decided bullshit. Hell no. No, nah, I wasn't a big fan of I decided. I had a couple of songs on there, but that yeah, that Dark Sky Jones, that Jones. But I gonna say classic, but it was a great album. But no, nah, I mean back to the Wale thing, man. I, I, like I said, I think a lot of his haters unwarranted. I mean, if you look at his catalog in the past decade, you can easily say a uh, top ten artists. From the albums and mixtapes and the hits he made. You said a top ten artist? Yes. Top ten hip-hop artist. Are we talking about success, quality of music? Yeah. Like right now. No, in the past decade. Not right... Currently, no, because he's, he's, not, he's not currently active. I don't active. know. Sean Sh- came out like early 2018, so he's not currently really active. I so can't understand. name Where, where you raking them at? I, I mean, you you. think about the last quality decade and everybody who came out in the last decade. Yeah, quality, quality of music, discography, and success like hits. People still play bad. Bad still crazy. What's throw true? the What's I mean, on the grass. I get your ass. I'm just I mean, thinking, I'm just, just trying to think about in hip-hop, like, who that came man, out in that put side for the album. that had a great push. I mean, I'll I, I help you with name some of the obvious ones. Drake, of course, was over him. Of course, we're going to put Drake over him. Yeah, Drake, Cole, Kendrick, you know... Um, well, Drake, Drake Holt Holt Kend- is over. C- who? They over who? Wale. Wale in the, past, in the past decade. All right. Oh, let's go. Let's argue. Yeah. All right. Let, let me just say this. For the decade, yes, we can put Drake over. But, like, for the last maybe three years, lyrically, Drake is not over Wale. Popularity. Well, is em- yeah. Yeah, lyrically he's not over Wale. Now popularity and getting money and all that, of course. He, he got the machine. Lyrically, him. he got Apple. I must say, lyrically you would never be better. Lyrically, I got Wale. 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 <laughs> Y'all gonna think, <laughs> yeah, I gonna think I'm crazy? But lyrically, I got Wale over Cole. Lyrically. Oh man, now you, you no, nah hell no.
0: Bale Bale? Are you sure? Yeah.
1: Nah, lyrically I, mean, I got Wale. Nah. Because Wale, I though, think I he, think Wale, Wale does. Is more intricate. It's more his pen is more intricate, I believe. Like Cole got fire bars, but it's more simple to catch. Wale sometimes makes you play his verses back so you can get him. Yeah. I think his pen is a little bit trickier. Just like why people would give Kendrick the edge over Cole in that same manner. All right. So when you when you think about that, right? I, and I think about like maybe. Like Kanye that does it. He does, you know, double entendres in his music and it's simple and you actually catch it. But then when you play it back, you're like, oh, this actually meant this. So the thing with Wale, he does it and it makes you miss the whole song. Man, you really like, do I really want to play this back like 30 times? Like this song ain't really that good. I should be able to catch this and then be like, hey, the song is good and then catch the devil entendre or you know the the, the metaphor or, or the the double meaning backwards the next time I listen to the song or the third or fourth but the song really doesn't be that doesn't that it's not that good or I can go like with Lupe and which I was going to go there of having the system behind you like I think if Lu, I mean if Lupe had the whole setup where hey I can go ahead and make these partnerships with these, uh, you know, with these recording companies and they can front me the money and I can get my music out there. But we've seen how that happened when he shot out the lasers. And, and that's that far is. High-selling album too. He just did that to prove a point that he could play that game and still win. But that's but not have been talking about. Just the lyric and what you saying. I don't know about that. Like, Wale, his lyrics, he'd he do a little bit too much. Like, it's not the fact of you dumbing it down. It's not the point yeah. of dumbing it down, but it's the point of constructing it well. Like, don't overbuild your shit to where when you explain it, you can't even explain it, which he doesn't really explain too much of shit. Like how they do rap genius I don't see him breaking down One of his work, verses I mean I could do Some verses you can look at and break down to be. Oh my god he, he be, I mean the dude be spitting man Like he can't he do that. Wale ain't nothing but Wale is alert You have to You have to You have to take it credibility that he really does too much in his verses, and it throws off the whole song. Now, define, like, too. you think he he reaches too much for a metaphor? Do you think he put too much words in a verse like Eminem does? Because that's my problem with Eminem today. I think he put too many words in a verse for no reason. Let's not talk about Eminem, please. Like, please. Uh, let's not even waste our time. I mean, we're going to talk about lyrics. Just. We got to mention him. I mean... I don't, I, mean, know. I, I, mean I don't think he put too many words. Uh, my I only think point at the end of the day you can't name Tim better than Wallace. So Overall, you can't name Tim better than Wallace. You can't. Of course yeah, you can. I, I mean... Just give me. You can't just, name just ten. Me name time. ten. Fine. Since you said it's good, I can't three, do it eight. right now. All right, then. That's the point. I you gave 10. it F. I I gave it F. Exactly. All you gotta do is say fast. He can't. He can't.
0: He can't. Are We talking about biggest more career?
1: successful career. Wise over the, no. the span no. of two years. No. Well, lyrically. We're not talking about more success. We're Better, talking quality about Better quality of music. Better quality of music. Yes, discography. He had five discography so far. You can put I this up get, against I a lot of you, people I could about. give you I could give you two more that that Mr. Jones didn't even name. But you can't even well, give me a refresh my memory. Well, Mr. Jones said he said J. Cole, He said Kendrick, He said Drake. Who else did you say, Mr. Jones? Um, I said... Man, who else did I say now? Think about it. You yeah, say Drake. Shit. Jay, no. said Drake. J. <laughs> J. Oh, oh, yeah. but, but here's the thing Kanye Kanye. Kanye. And Kanye what? Kanye. Kanye what? But here's the thing. I could give you a little bit more than that. I could give you Rick Ross. And I could give you... Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and I can give you so, Meek Mill as boys? well. No, Meek Mill helped Ross though. Wale helped Nah. <laughs> you crazy <laughs> if you say Meek. If you didn't nah, say Meek, you nah, crazy. He, nah, he's Nah, he's uh, uh, overall. He's telling, he's telling the absolutely. truth. Um, Wale actually did help Ross, and Ross actually said that Wale did uh production him. on his um songs. Yeah, yeah, like Rich no, and all of that. Yeah, Wale influenced that bad a lot. You can tell. He switched his whole style up with Wale got with OG. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, as far as Meek Mill, like, his last two, three albums are fire. His last two albums are classic, let's keep it real. Can can you give me an overall? Hold on. Give me a bad Meek Mill album, please. Give me a bad Meek Mill album. This first one, other than the intro. Other I mean, than the intro, that's not what, rocking like Dream Chains' mixtape. You crazy. You crazy. It's first, first one. His first one. Dog, it's first one. It's first one. You crazy. You crazy. real fire to the losses to me. You're absolutely crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I,
0: we can You're go album for album,
1: man. We can go out You're crazy. So you, hold oh, on. No, I don't think... So you legitimately going to tell me that Dreams and Nightmares was trash. The intro was great. The rest of the album, yeah. Name, name, name <laughs> so, three songs on, that was on, hot on, other on, on, than the hold on, intro. Hold on, hold on, hold name on. Name three songs that was hot other than the intro. Amen I was can't. great. Now, it's a lot of bad bitches in the building. Amen. Okay, Maybach Curtain with Nas and John right. Ledger. Ah, right. So, maybe I was right kid ever. Fire. So, it wasn't song fire? That was curtain. the song fire. It was wasn't, wasn't, yes, the song was, yes, fire. was fire. Okay. Yes. I didn't young really play that song. Kirk- no. I, played, I played literally like maybe two, three songs on that album every time I that. Well, that's your then. fault. That's your fault. Young, yeah, that it was my fault. Zeus, Zeus, I was with you. We listened to that shit when it first came out together, and we was like, "What is this?" I remember that because exactly. the intro, we was like, "That's yeah, crazy. fire." We, play, was, that's we fire. played the intro back three times because the, we then the it intro did out, out after they came the Tupac back when they had uh, the the MMG. Well, that same time. Man, man, come on, man. So I had, uh, yeah, I had expectations for Lay but, up with Rob. Nah, come on, bro, no, man. Lay this album crazy. up. Lay this album up. Nah. I Nah, bro. Nah, Dreams <laughs> and Nightmares is a classic. And then Dreams Worth More Than oh, Money, which man. was oh. the follow up. Lord knows with Lane. <laughs> I forget that album came Jump. out. I forget about that. Okay. Oh, yeah. That Lord knows, though. That that was God Yeah. Though. Jump I off did. the base yeah. with Future. Yeah. All Eyes on You with Chris Breezy. Rico with Drake. Huh? Pulling up with oh, The we Weeknd. Check.
0: I got the juice.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I
0: like,
1: I, like your I, like your, I like your passion behind it. I like man. your passion behind it. Stop playing, with, it. Me. Stop playing with me. That's still in enough. That's still in me. You don't have a bad album. While Stop playing with me. Don't oh, have man. a bad album or bad mixtape. I do. Why they have a bad album or mixtape. I never it was his mixtapes better than Wale. Yeah, uh, no. yeah, his mixtapes no. was better than
0: Wale, especially when he was with
1: DJ Drama. No. You crazy? with the dream chaser? That's no, not. Did you crazy? No, none of them. None of was None was Forlorn is a classic. Forlorn is a classic. Forlorn is a classic, but so is the DC joint. You're not going to tell me that they not. They got
0: songs like work on, on the, there. No, I'm the
1: not going to hate on work. them. That's why I don't like the first album, because they don't compare to that. But to be honest with you, I probably, if 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 I had no, I got close. Wale. Wale is over Yeah, i would definitely go with Wale. I'm leaning... I'm your neighborhood dope dealer. This is all off of DC Three, little nigga. Wasn't no, that Rick Ross song? No, dope dealer. Rick no. Ross that made was that Meek song. Mill song. That was Meek Mill song, sir. Go back and listen to it. Heaven to yeah. Hell with Jada Kiss. Oh my God! Dude, I, ain't I ain't gonna never hate. I ain't never hate on the Jada feature. <laughs> I yeah. said Jada kills everything. I never hate on the Jada feature. But Wale man, speaking of it. that, man, Jadakiss was just, uh, criticized about something that he said on the 0 was I forgot That's what was it was. Fabulous.
0: Rocked up, shawty. we fabulous. Stop playing.
1: Dog, so, me just not over, Wale. It's less passion as you show it, out. appreciate <laughs> it. You're ready for show. But, the dog, it's not Wale. Wale is over me. Matter of fact, we'll let the world decide. We put the poll up out of the show. We'll let the world decide. Me
0: put it it up, the put it up all it up. day. The people of right. let me ask
1: but, you. Man, me. Can I ask you let me know. Hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. Can I ask you something? No. Nah. Do have a documentary on Amazon Prime? I think not. Okay. It's in well, a
0: jail. <laughs> <laughs>
1: L- Wally, <laughs> had one, Wally had one soon about depression and anxiety or some shit like no, that. No, he not. He ain't gonna have nothing. <laughs> it's gonna be on YouTube. It's gonna be straight to YouTube. yeah, I ain't gonna do that to red Table Talk Matter it's of fact, nah, he gonna he gonna have one. Nah, he gonna he gonna have one. What you gonna talk about later? It's gonna be from gonna be uh, for uh, rapping, the free rapping. It's going to be for the rapping, free skin on YouTube. Rapping to grappling. I guarantee you. It's going to be rapping to nah. grappling. That's what it's going to be called. Nah. And it's going to be free <laughs> on YouTube. That's the no platform picking that shit up. Netflix ain't picking <laughs> it up. Amazon not picking it up. Ain't nobody picking it up. It's going to go straight to YouTube. <laughs> All right. Watch that. <laughs> All right. Speaking about hip-hop. Let me ask you this: Does Wale have partnerships with Robert Kraft and Michael Rubin? How huh? is, is is Wale getting people out of jail? No, meat meal over Wale, plain and simple. <laughs> man, jabroni. That was none of the, you jabroni! That was none of the point. That was none of the, the point of the whole argument. That was none I of know, the criteria I'm just Johnny. trying to change it. A, jabroni, easy. sweat off. Oh. Sweat hog. you <laughs> Sweat hog. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, man, look. Since we're still talking uh, hip-hop, man. Look, you got this me against your thumb on my work. This guy. Uh, what yeah. y'all I'm think about boss. the two-dog uh, situation about Red tape? Really? He like roley <laughs> exactly. over. better than it should get us. I got you. <laughs> I'm a boss, okay? Tony yeah, Story, man. I'm going...
0: Oh, he, he, just,
1: he just got fired. He just got fired. He just started spitting real shit. <laughs> you just, Which is true. He Actually, developed. He Tony so, First of all, hold on. First of all, He like cash Story cash was back in 2012. Way Sir, hold on. Sir, hold on. Tony Story back in 2012. Tony Story was back in 2012, 2013. Okay. Hey, that Ray back to Cassidy. Cassidy killed that man. And Maybe Arsenal, Arsenal just killed Cassidy. It don't matter. But Arsenal can't beat no Big Neal. Exactly. No, he might not. Hey. Hey, I'm a he boss, took the biggest, okay?
0: okay. Hey, body the, count. He's a body count. <laughs> and hey, we're going back to
1: back. And we're going to grab this Don't panic. Don't panic. I mean, I don't know, uh, man. We'll tell you girl, man,
0: man. I look, don't know. Look, hey, listen,
1: man, know. listen. Hold on, listen. Hold no. on, listen. Let me just let y'all know this real quick. All the Dream Chasers mixtapes are now available on Tidal and Apple Music. I encourage you to go back and listen to them. And when you do, you will have a better appreciation for Meek Mill's catalog. But so let's go on to the next topic, please. <laughs> Not better than one. We it continues. Better man, look man, I, I'm appalled. I'm Better MT, look wh- Better. Wh- what what you sipping on, man? Like, like text me after the show, let me know what, what you had. I'm gonna need a uh, sip of that later on. So look, let's <laughs> go in and get to it, man. Snoop Dogg, <laughs> Snoop Dogg, red table talk with Jada Jada Pinkett or YouTube. Mm. <laughs> on YouTube. Go ahead on YouTube. It's on YouTube? All right, anyway. So, on YouTube, what do you guys think about it? And his response to the whole raggedy, you know, situation. Like, do you think his response was acceptable or was it a cop-out? I'll let you go first, M.T., 'Cause you're the one who brought the topic up throughout the week. Absolutely. Here's what I wanna say about it. It shows like this why you why the rap game isn't taken serious. And it shows like this why a lot of incidents and why we why people are so far removed from reality. So what you had was Snoop Dogg who I'm sure living in California, being a California native having a respect of California, was very good friends with Kobe. I'm sure they were. I'm just sure. Very good friends. He talked out of pure emotion, and I get it. Mr. Jones, as you said on the show before, he shouldn't have called her a bitch because she is a black woman, and we don't want to disrespect a black woman. However, he was speaking from raw emotion. But then he gets on red table talking. He, you know, those on the fake tears, Jada, oh, I thought you were talking. You know, when you said what you said, it was like you were saying it to me. It's like you were saying it to, you know, my mother and Willow and, you know, all of the black women around me and all of that. And... Yeah, and to me, it was just, it was just BS. Like it was Hollywood. It was animated, and you know I get it. Snoop is heavy, you know, in the church and everything. I know he just came out with a gospel album and everything, but he's heavy in the church and everything. So I get it. He's got to clean up his image, and you know, this way people will, you know, respect him, especially if he tries to deliver a sermon. But at the same get time, that Jewish man, money. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, man, it, it comes a point in time where you you got to just take a stand. And I get it. If you had just went out and publicly apologized to Gail King, okay. <clears throat> but to me, it just seems My like... My only thing is, what was his defense then? If she felt that way, then why he couldn't have felt the same way when we're, when said guess, what she said. Yeah. We're 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 putting a set set category and we're we're already um I guess statistically viewed I think and now that you want to put this down, like why why can't he have the same defense? I mean so okay, what I said, you kinda of put yourself in that manner. Just like if I would have put myself in that manner, Aaron, you would have said the same thing about me. Maybe if he would have got locked up, he would have been Oh well, Snoop Dogg is the hulum that he always rap about. Blah 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 blah. Like, come on! Like, you gotta think about it. I mean, I think he could have had a counter for that. He could have apologized for what he said, but still, his emotions was written high. His apology seemed like it was just more him appeasing to, I guess, maybe his image or what he has future endeavors for. Some of it was genuine because he was going through a lot of the time. He did mention that he just lost like a close friend of his lately around that time as well. But the thing is, what got me crazy is I just want to know what was Jada's stance? Why did she feel like it was directed towards her? Even like after that, sometime in the interview, she kind of acknowledged the question was out of line herself. She acknowledged that. So I wonder what credit the response to make it seem like it was directed towards her. That's the whole thing that baffles me throughout the whole scenario. There is like, why did you feel like that was directed towards you? What the fuck did you ask Lisa Leslie about? Exactly. No, I just did It's true. And, I mean, and just to piggyback off of what you're saying, Mr. Jones, if she's acknowledging that the that the question was a little out of line, obviously because Kobe hasn't even been laid to rest yet, and then this comes out. It's like one of the things where what was the purpose of Snoop really coming on there? And that's why I say it was probably just to rebuild his image as a Christian or, you know, whatever he is, a minister, a pastor, or whatever that is, To try to do like some damage control So he can go back to delivering his sermons Because if you're acknowledging That what she said was out of pocket I mean I'm just confused about What the other issues are Like he was speaking from raw emotion at the time He was upset This was a good friend of his Who hadn't been laid to rest Who had an untimely demise That nobody saw coming Nobody Nobody thought that Kobe bean bryant was gonna die the way that he did on the day that he did. We all thought that Kobe was gonna be somebody who lived at eighty, ninety years old and then pass on like that. But I I don't for him to come out he was speaking from one emotion, I get that and I get if you want to apologize for calling Gail a bitch, but other than that, it was still out of line. So like you said, Mr. Jones, what was her stance in the whole thing and what was the purpose of Snoop even coming on Red Table Talk other than maybe to try to repair his image in the church? Yeah, I just didn't get that perspective at all. I thought that's when it became Hollywood for me. But I, I don't get what Snoop's doing at all as far as his image either. Because if you look on his face, he just got a show with Mike Tyson. They getting half. So I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, he always been an advocate for that. So that's not a negative anymore. I love it. You got to think about it. I love, gotta it. Think about I love it. it. It's never never, so, never. I mean, that's that's totally I different. Like, I I I can cool, see brother. if he you know, went on pass. air and then well, he still you know, started exactly. calling random random women, bitch, you know, bitches and shit, you know yeah. what I'm saying now. That would have been different. Now, I don't know. all right. See, look, niggas, Come it's, on, man. Why it's, are you sending us back? <laughs> I think this whole interview was kind of a setback. Like, he could have just still apologized, but he could have humbled himself it. a little it. bit better. He did? Like... He did on his Instagram. He apologized. He did that even before the show. Pretty much the same thing he said there, he said on his Instagram days before. So that's another reason I don't get why he did he come to the show. I mean, I guess good views popping the show, picture image. I mean, you know. I don't get it. The whole situation was this. It was just baffling to me because when she starts saying it affected me, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Exactly. And it just, I mean, part of it to me just makes it seem like, all right, I get it. Like maybe Jada is in that whole circle of, you know, Oprah and Gail and, you know what I'm saying? All of them and, you know, black women in the media and everything. Like maybe they're just all in a circle, like this power circle together. And I get it. Like, again, you want to stand up for Gail because Snoop shouldn't have called her a bitch. But at the same time, how do you feel like he was attacking you? And I mean, even though we don't like the fact that he did bring Tupac up and saying that Tupac called women bitches and hoes, but yeah, Tupac was a very good friend of Jada, who Jada admitted that, Hey, she loved him. You know, they was really, really close, but Tupac has songs of, hey, you wonder why they call you, bitch. And, you know, I see the same hoes and different stuff like that. So did you feel like Tupac was talking to you then when he made those songs? Like, I'm confused. Because if not, then how are you going to get upset? Yeah. You know what I'm mean? saying? <laughs> how you going to get upset at Snoop for what he said, Where he what, what the difference was when Pac made these songs? Now, He wasn't naming. You know what I was being more entertained by? What's up? And I still don't think anybody asked this man that is who did he ask? (laughs) Who did he ask? Can I say
0: it?
1: (laughs) That would have been been more entertaining than anything. Like, who did you ask and why (laughs) did you feel like that was the okay? At least that's what I would have asked them. That would have been yeah, the opening thing to who talk about. You, who gave you the green light? Who was that that you spoke to that was in the room with you that was like, "Yeah, dog, do it." Like, was it a cousin with an, interview, an he uncle? Was like, yeah, dog head raggedy. And I'm like, who? Who did you ask? Like, who gave you the approval for that? Like, yeah, it's, it's good, Snoop. I don't think. I, Maybe the comment section. I don't know. I don't think nobody was in the room for when he did that. It couldn't be. That would <laughs> you know, be... I, I'd be like, "Oh shit!" you <laughs> probably had to cut the camera off,
0: I'd "Oh shit!"
1: <laughs> but nah, no. Nah, seriously, that. If anything, that that should have been the question that she should have asked out of all these. Um, I guess, contradictory questions and just, I don't know. It's still backwards crazy. I still think it was like a cop-out. It was cheese and bad way to go out. That's my final comment on it. If you have got anything else to say, we can go ahead and switch to the next topic. Yeah, we go to the next one. Yeah.
0: All and right, so, so it's between the two.
1: Real quick, real quick you all see the Candyman trailer? What y'all think of that? Oh, I, I'm i glad that you brought this up. So overall, just to answer your question really quickly, I love the trailer. I do. I love the fact that Jordan Pillar, is the producer, but please, everybody, the director name. Hold on, I want to make sure I'm getting it. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. (laughs) Because everybody keeps giving, you know, Jordan Peele all the credit. You got to understand the producer is just somebody who says, this is what I want to do. Meaning, I want to bring this to life. But this, yeah, the creation of life. Yeah, the, the creation of it. But the writer and the director is the person who executes. That is the person who says, I'm going to take your vision and what you want to do, and we're going to put it on film. Put in a dialogue. Yes, take a, yeah, put in a dialogue. Take a look at it. Make sure that this is what you were trying to execute. But this is what I'm supposed to do. And the writer and the director is Mia DaCosta who was also a writer for the series Top Boy, which was on Netflix. So Jordan Peele is uh, just the producer. He put a lot of the money behind this to get done. But as far as screenwriter and director, which is Nita, as far as casting and all of that, that was Nita's responsibility. Maybe Jordan helped out a little bit, but overall, this is Nita DaCosta. But overall, I feel like her and Jordan Peele's minds together will make this a great movie. Um, It seems like one of the social issues, because we all know that Jordan Peele likes to talk about social issues and everything in the movies that either he produces or directs or whatever may have you. And with this one, it seems like it's going to be talking about gentrification, which is going to be added in there. But overall... I think that it's going to be great. I think that it's going to have a good soundtrack. And you know it's going to be great when you got the Queen Beyonce getting together with Destiny's Child to redo Save My Name to fit the trailer and fit the theme of the movie. Wow. Yeah, if you go back and watch the trailer, and if you listen to it, I think after it gets into, like, the first minute of it, you'll hear Beyonce singing, Say My Name, Say My So they redid that song and, like, revamped it to kind of, like, fit the whole Candyman theme and everything, because, you know, it's all about saying his name multiple times in a mirror, five times, and then he appears. So okay, when you so have you know, all of this I got you. Well I know exactly. if you're from the urban community, I know you already spooked down just even thinking about it. Yeah, but overall man it to me it's gonna be good. The only thing that I don't like and and it gets on my nerves is this. Once again, you have black people haven't seen anything but a trailer, but yet they make it post Oh, I don't think it's going to be that good. Why? And the and the, the top excuse that I've got is I don't like the way that they use Say My Name. So let me get this straight. Because Beyonce revamped, well, Destiny Child revamped a song that they did years ago to be more modern and fit the trailer and fit the theme of this movie. It's going to be a horrible movie. Okay, never mind the cast, never mind the acting, never mind any of the messages, never mind the fact that Jordan Peele has a good track record. And technically, if we throw out Top Boy, excuse me, Nita has a good track record as well. But never mind any of that. It's a song and why the entire movie is going to be trash. Okay, that's fine. If that's what you want to go with. And like we talked about last week, like we talked about this morning before we got on the show, unfortunately, black not just black people, but our POCs, we, we're crabs in a barrel when it comes to each other a lot of top. We've had a remake. Think about it, gentlemen, before I let Mr. Jones rebuttal. We've had a remake of just about all the classic horror movies, Friday the 13th. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Halloween has been has been redone multiple times. I would say what's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was actually in a review. The uh, original actor was saying that he wants to um, do uh, I guess a prequel, like uh, as far as like the trial when once he went on trial. Mm-hmm. That was just gotcha. talked, just to throw that out there. Okay, but yeah, but Nightmare on Elm Street. Hell, they even. There's a recent Leprechaun movie, which was made like 2017, 2018, which was absolute trash. But we've had all these things done. If somebody decides that they want to resurrect a classic black horror film, they want to use some of the original actors from the film. So Tony Todd is going to be in this, as well as, I forgot the young lady's name, that she's in it But she's basically As the therapist now And the newer one But she was in the first one But All of a sudden It's going to be a problem Because Of the way that they use Destiny Child song Say My Name Can somebody please Make sense of this And tell me how this Makes any sense I can't It's bullshit I don't know It seems like it comes from Like a small minded group That, which is more of the group that probably seen the original movie and don't want to see it again. So once it comes out, I I believe that it'll change a lot of minds. I mean, it doesn't look half bad to me, and if anything, I think it needs a rewrap. And before, and I don't want to say his name wrong. I want to say uh, this was that Mr. Singleton that made the original Mm one. He. Mm -hmm. Actually, I went. I didn't say greenlight it, but I want to say they actually had talks before his passing of the film. And I would think that Jordan Peele took over the remake of it. That He was already going to remake it. Yeah. Oh, and the lady that, that was in the original one that's going to be in the new one, her name is Vanessa A. Williams. So, yeah, she's oh. going to be in the new one. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, if anything, I think The Save My Name is actually done like a classic. And it's a new revamp. And then, like, any movies that just get revamped, it's fit to the millennial style or just up to date. It has to catch the viewers yeah. or just to calm the common people that's going to go. It's not always going to be the original. Like, if they came out with a, new, I mean, uh, a Scarface movie, I mean, sure, they try to be in that present date and time but I'm sure like the punches in the way it rolls will probably be different than the original movie yeah, than the original movie. They're gonna play Push it to the Living by Ross and what they're gonna say there. <laughs> they're not gonna play the original Pussy <laughs> to the Living. which which will be funny though. I I not even lie to you, that probably would be dope. Yeah. I mean, I don't think nobody should touch Scarface, but they're going to sooner or later. Um, <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's a good trailer. Everything, everything. I think it's going to be a good movie. I'm looking forward to you know the summer horror movies, that and Saw, because I think Chris, I think that's a sleeper, man. I think Chris what actually going to do a good job with the Saw you know? make. Well, here's the thing. This is what I tell people, too, even about that new Saw spinoff and everything is this. How often, when was the last time we legitimately seen, like, Chris Rock in a movie? It's been a Talk while. Fast. It's been a few years. Yeah. yeah, but it's been a while, right? Like, how long ago did that come out? 15, 16. Exactly. So if we're pulling Chris Rock out, and he's supposed to be in a movie. We know he's not just going to sign up for some trash. He's not. I do. I think that it's going to be a good movie. I agree with you. That uh, that Saw spinoff, it's going to be a good one. I can't wait, actually. And I'm actually glad that they're redoing it and everything because Saw, to me, is one of those, like, when it came on the scene, it was a, it was a, it's a classic in the horror film genre. Well, it kind of revolutionized the gore in horror movies, period. It did. It took it to another level. It picked it up. Well, it took it to another level. It just made you think as well. Like, it made you think, like who, like, who had the mindset to think of all of this? You know what I mean? Because, like, it wasn't just your normal oh, it's a killer, you know, they go cut a couple people up, shoot some people, all right, we're done. No, like this was a, hey, let's put some stuff together. Um, Like let's really make people think, let's have people guessing throughout the movie of who the killer is. And even from the first one, the fact that the killer was laying on the ground the entire time, while it was going on, like it made you, it was like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Like it, it messes with your mind. Yeah, they were successful early on, as far as like psychological thrillers. They made everybody wrap up their gore. Like you see, the final destinations After the saw came out, how crazier they were compared to the original one. Yep. It just made people really rap the for a while. I mean, to the point, like, people got tired of it, as I recall. And then, you know, Insidious came out and brought back the classic all-genre. But I don't want to drift off too much into that. You got any more topics, Juice? Uh. Yeah, WWE. Goldberg. Got oh, my fired. God. Woo! Bill Goldberg. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. So, first and foremost, I'm going to have a different approach to this. So, back, they do this event, like, once, a, once or twice a year. They go Saudi Arabia do this event called Super Showdown. Now, I don't give too much of a backstory to it. So, the champion was Bray Wyatt at the time, named the feed. He was, like, the hottest character. The fans really loved him and stuff. Had a good storyline going on. Next thing you know, out of nowhere, Goldberg comes back, spears him. One, two, three—it's over. Goldberg is the new champion. Now, I get what a lot of people in the internet are saying: this is bullshit. This is a travesty. The old guy's always going to win. Yada, the yada. Now, I agree with this standpoint. WWE doesn't have a bright future. Because why does it take for all these old vets to come back to push the needle, to put asses in seat. to sell out WrestleMania? Because you know what the match is now? It's going to be Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. That's what's going to happen at WrestleMania. Not one of these young talents, not one of these up-and-comers, not nobody that the fans like, but it has to be a part-timer, an old guy. now. But no, though, that's not You that's what it, the fans like. That's what the ratings like. Let them finish. Let them finish. finish. Let me finish. Because yeah, I'm getting to that point. I'm. You're. you We're going to be on the same page at the end of the day. Now, this is the thing that fans need to realize: money and business is behind the name. The reason why it why it's not good why these people are not getting pushed is because. The own, it's not the owners, it's not the bad writing It's these young cats not making a name for themselves Like I said before and i say it again Everybody can do a flip now Everybody can do near falls Everybody can put on a quote unquote great wrestling match Like Shawn Michaels used to do back in the day But the thing that these old timers separated themselves from today is characters They still feel larger than life Why you ever became a fan of wrestling? Because these people felt superhuman in a way. Like, everybody wanted to be Stone Cold because he could kick his boss ass and drink beer on the job. Everybody wanted to be Triple H because they wanted to be that maniacal. They wanted to hit people with sledgehammers. Everybody wanted to be The Rock because the way he grabbed the bike and the way he talked himself literally to be the highest-paid actor in Hollywood today. Do you see any of these people that got that potential? That's in wrestling today? No. Part of it has to be on them. Their fault. And these fans got to also realize that it's only 10,000 of you that are serious wrestling fans, but there's millions and millions out there that are casual fans. And the last time they watched wrestling, guess who was on top, ladies and gentlemen, in WCW? Bill Goldberg. Mm-hmm. So I see why they did it. They did it for business. But what saddens me, though, is this is going to continue to happen because when these people get the spotlight, they're not being trained properly to become that character that's lost in their life. Because first and foremost, they're restricted to having scripted promos, so they can't speak how they feel, really. Mm -hmm. B, they got to do all these obligations on Twitter and all of that. They can't really focus on their character and be their character all the time. And C is they just don't get it when it comes to building their character. And at the end of the day, it's about business and about making money. Because you want to know what else happened on that show? AJ Styles. Well, we I'm going to tell you know, one hey? thing that happened. Go ahead. And, well, no, because I, I don't know if, if you want to get into it. I mean, cause, all right, so usually what happens, right? You know, these superstars that come in, especially the older superstars, the ones that you say they have names and make the the big debut, they usually come back after they had done a TV show, um, something else, with semi, uh movie appearance, and come back to the ring, win a title. They end up losing to somebody else. They build up. Like you said, as another young, up-and-coming person. And if he doesn't gravitate to the audience, doesn't build ratings, somebody else is going to come back. will be another old wrestler. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Ric Flair or something come back and win a title. But it's going to be that because it's always predetermined. Until somebody changes the whole viewership and build that character plot, then that's it. I mean, most of the people that's coming in now, they just want a little bit of fame. They, like you said, they just doing halfway minor flips and everything. It's not like the dominant character story that line that you want. But there's always that someone that feels that. They just get pushed over because a big name comes back. But the crazy thing is, it's, it's, it's wrestling itself is at all time though. It doesn't matter if you brought Hulk Hogan back in his prime. It doesn't matter if you brought back Stone Cold in his prime. They're just not getting the viewership right now. Back then, like in the nineties and all that, they was averaging not eight, nine, ten million viewers an episode. Now they're lucky if they and can get one. And I can tell one. you why they're not getting viewership. Because of UFC, because of more of a Realistic Of sports. course Of,
0: course.
1: And, and of it, course and it got exposed To what it was Like back then and It wasn't and it went, Exposure to anything like well, it, wasn't, it wasn't As it is now It's not It's not as Open Like how it is now in, in in media Like you can Pretty much view anything So like Watching wrestling Is like On the least agenda Of some people Unless you just like Good storylines And, and wrestling So i mean, it's some wrestlers out there in other countries like New Japan that's really doing great, that's migrating to the States. You got other products that's out there that you can watch to get your fix if you're a true wrestler fan. But at the end of the day, WWE will always be king, and they have to find a way to get their product back where it needs to be because stuff like Bill Goldberg winning the title for the second time within, what, 18 months shouldn't be necessary. These should be storylines that build up once in a lifetime. This shouldn't happen every six months. You know what else happened? The Undertaker wrestled again. That happened as well. Why, as much as I love and respect the Undertaker, why the hell is the Undertaker still active today? Because they need him to be, and that's the problem. Or does he need to be? Hmm. No.
0: I mean, I, each don't a, the
1: money. I don't know. I I take it with a grain of salt. I don't know goes it goes both ways. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, why, why else would he come back? I mean, they actually had to pay him some type of money. Did he win this match? Yes. He won within a minute. He's the Undertaker. The, I mean, of course he's taking the payday. I'm, I'm 50 years old. All I got to do is wrestle one minute and I'm getting over a million. Why the freaking not? And I don't have no career debilitating injuries. Why not? Trust me, at Stone Cold, they had the issues he had here, Russell, every year do a cool mill, mill and a half, probably more than that, for less than five minutes of work. Why not? But the thing is, hey, you just hit it on the head. It goes both ways. And I just want to tell the fans that, Although a lot of it is due to Vince McMahon being seen now, focused on football instead of wrestling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it does suck that the old characters got to come back and the storylines ain't great. But it's not all of them. Some of it has to be on the new wrestlers themselves. They're not taking advantage of the opportunity and making themselves big time stars. You don't get groomed to be a big time star, you force your way to becoming a big time star. You know when Stone Cold first came into WWE, he was the ringmaster and the Ted DiBiase. Nobody knew who the hell he was until he got a microphone after he won the King of the Ring. And he said, awesome. But you got to think about it. Most of those characters that made their appearance, they broke. I wouldn't say they broke character, but they broke script and made it to their self and to their their liking. Like, I think now they're just according just to... Just hey, I'm just gonna hit this script and just get paid for it. I don't think I want to come up, but then you complaining like how you don't never get a, a big site uh or uh, a main a main event match in a big city because you're not performing well. It's all about performance and that's another thing too. The biggest credit for the wrestlers they sell matter of fact can't you just. Can't to argue, just to argue your fact, who's the top three newcomers that actually perform well that you think like that they're not giving a shot to? That's not getting the shot? Yeah. What I mean, is Big E have. Big E, e should have been champion. He should have been the first black champion, obviously, over Kofi. That's one dude I don't think they don't give him a shot. But he's in that group, and he's selling a lot of merch, so he's doing good. Another person is obviously the guy who just lost to Goldberg, Bray Wyatt. I mean, that dude just keep revamping himself. He keep becoming popular with everybody, keep becoming renowned. And next thing you know, he gets some bullshit like this and gets squashed. And then the last person, I mean, he was a great, he was a big name somebody else. And then if you look at him today, he had a good career so far in the WWE. But if you look at him today, no way in he should be losing to Undertaker within a minute. And that's AJ Styles. Those three people, that's great, was accomplished somewhere else, came here, worked their way, and found a way to get screwed. Well, yeah, we only got a few minutes left amongst a lot, amongst a lot of other guys. All right, but. gentlemen. That's true. But all right, let's let's uh, let's wrap up the show. Make sure you all follow us on Facebook and IG at Too Much Show official page. Uh, also follow us on Twitter, YouTube at Too Much Show. Uh, you can listen to the playback of this episode and other episodes on Google Podcasts and the iTunes Podcast app. And I am your host MT signing off. And with me and my co-host Mister Jones, aka Sam Jones, and Mister Come first because you gotta respect me and my other co-host. Just the truth. I'll let you next week, man. More talk by real talk by real people Jeez.